Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an off-forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and I forgot to pull up the quotes that I was going to say from the movie, so give me a second. Oh, yes, here's one. Overthrow Castro. It's ambitious, but we can do it. And with you me, I've got Liam. A bitch. That's, the, all, that's the only quote I could think of. <laughs> I realized I didn't have one. That's all I could remember. Uh, I'll do a. I'll do one that is in the original, but is but is also in this one. I have one from this one. If you'd uh, like a backup plan, I I could say nope. a different one and then let you say the Castro thing. No, no. Text me this other one. I'll say it. Okay. I'll say mine while we're waiting. Go ahead. In the words of Scott. Wait, who are you? Who are you? In the words of Scott. No, no, no. Who are you? Oh, I'm Mitch. I mean, this happened last week. Just saying Scut more forcefully is so funny. I am Scut! <laughs> In the words of Scut, now I'm one of the good guys. Damn. <laughs> Baby face oh, well, His faculty for self-deception is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, what a capacity to deceive oneself. <laughs> One of the good guys. Go jump in a lake. <laughs> a broken clock is right zero times a day in this particular instance. Fucking scut. <laughs> a- <laughs> ASAP. Um, Liam, I've sent you a quote. Is that all scuts or bastards? Yeah, it is. <laughs> in- until thir- 30 years later and then. They no, become... I think he's still a bastard. You reckon? Well, he is a cop, I guess, but. He seemed all right. We'll talk about it, I guess. Okay, I'll, I'll give you this. Uh, I don't know who this is in the words of. There, it's Corey. in the words of Ralph. In the words of Ralph, uh, the artist formerly known as Ralphie. That's it. A book about strangling Denise from Book Barn. Yeah. That's a good one. Says it near the beginning of the motion picture. Yeah. Um, Fellas, it's beginning to look a lot. Like Christmas, am I right? It's beginning to look a lot like after Christmas, dude. It's almost Christmas is like over. Not by the time this comes out. It's pretty close now. No, it's the twenty first. In the fiction of when this episode releases, you got four. You got four whole days to build up the mystique. It finally snowed. It's beginning to literally look a lot like Christmas as well as figuratively. Um. Are you guys feeling the Christmas spirit? I got to love it with you. I sure ain't. I'm not. Um, I don't yeah, know if that's... I'm kind, of, I'm kind of getting there, yeah. I don't know if this is a side effect of, like, having adult responsibilities or something, but I, uh... I'm, I don't know. It just sort of feels like any other, any other shit, like yeah, any I, other time of year. I think it's just busier. Yeah. I think if you don't have kids and you're not a kid, you really got to force it. You got to force yourself to do things that that make you in the spirit. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. It's just going to feel like any other time, except maybe you got to buy a couple of gifts. But, yeah, uh, I found this movie helped. I, uh, I have an advent calendar, so I have a little chocolate every day. That helps. Um, I tried the oat nog that I told you gentlemen about. Right. That was good. That was nice. We did but, attend a Christmas party, so yes, maybe that did. ostensibly should have. You know, I've I, I've never one. been a big advent calendar guy. Yeah, I've always felt that that you know their days are numbered. <laughs> aren't aren't we all there? Mitch? Does Zencaster have a button I can hit where a crowd just starts to boo? 
<laughs> You'd have to invite Elon Musk on the podcast for that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I don't want to cave into you know some of that classic adult cynicism, but I've also never been the biggest Christmas guy in the world. I think that's something I've said on this show before. I uh, I don't know. Christmas is Christmas. It's kind of like it's whatever. Um, also for the last couple years, haven't really done any proper christmasing to speak of on account of you know various calamities it could be argued that there are less safe ways to do that even this year but i'll be trying to do a little bit of it and um, maybe getting back like maybe once i go home and i see like some family and stuff that'll make it feel somewhat christmas here like that like the movie like them yes exactly like the movie a christmas story christmas story christmas story a christmas story christmas story christmas right i think something like that yeah some variation of that i think is what the movie is but yeah i guess that that's kind of part of it um because as much as you know going to a an actual christmas party or playing christmas music or you know, wearing a Christmas sweater or whatever um, is ostensibly supposed to get you in the mood. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of not doing it. So maybe we'll get there. Maybe maybe I'm just a, a, a Scroogey Grinch man who's not down for the for the se- tis the season. I don't know. But it at least looks a little more like it. The snow is helping. Yeah, there is snow here. I don't know if it'll stick around. Um, Dude, we're about to get like fucking absolutely ass blasted with snow. It's gonna stick around. <laughs> ass blasted, dang. Yeah, getting ass blasted always puts me in we're, the mood. We, for we're gonna get like thirty centimeters of snow tonight. Uh, between like uh, this is not interesting for the show, but between Thursday night and Saturday morning, hmm. gonna be a big old snowstorm. Cool. Well, I'm excited for that. I think I think that'll help and. Uh, like you said, even in podcast universe, we've got a few days until Christmas, so so we can update the people in the last last episode of the month and tell them how our, our Christmas is fully won. I'm going to watch Krampus. If I don't come back saying I've watched Krampus, um, at least two episodes from now, because in, in the real world, we've got about two weeks left of December, then you guys, uh, you can make me uh, do something for you. Yeah, you have me. to do you have to do Krampus if you don't watch Krampus. Okay. <laughs> That's the deal. Um I want to ask so this is a Christmas story Christmas is a movie that's very much about uh you know holiday traditions and upkeeping those. Um do you guys I don't know if Liam we may have talked about like general family christmas traditions at some point i'm sure we probably have this many years into the thing but something that i'm curious about i don't know if anybody is at the point where they're doing this yet but do you have any like holiday traditions that you've started doing strictly as an adult like that go like alongside stuff you might do with your family but are like a new thing or getting drunk okay fair (laughs) Sure, but that you do that <laughs> didn't do that all, when I was a kid. You do that all year, though. That's not <laughs> that's not a Christmas special. That's a good question, Fair. Brianna. Do you and I have any specific uh, Christmas traditions that have become a thing since we've become adults? 
Well, that one year we decided to do opening a present early before Christmas. And yes. We swore that we would do that every year. We called it spoiled Christmas. Yeah. And yet we have not continued that tradition since that one incident. Yeah. So um, it was it was a dust up. <laughs> um, we uh, also can you ask, can I keep that in? Or how, yeah, how are we feeling yeah, about that? Yeah, 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 if you want to. Um, well, I don't know. I just want to check first. <laughs> we've given each other some ornaments. I don't know if we've done it every year. Uh, every other year before this one, we've had a Christmas tree in our in our apartment, a little tiny one that goes on the counter. Um, but this year we didn't do it. I'm not really. I'm not beholden to traditions. Um, I think they're they're kind of cute and it's nice when they like come up like sometimes I'll realize like oh hey we've kind of we've done this around this time every year that's cool um like uh watch the Harry Potter movies or something we've done that a few times but um I don't know that I really have things that I make sure to do every single year in fact a, a lot of times I wait around cuz I'm planning to do something every year like watch Krampus and then I and then I just don't get to it so yeah, I think I'm in a similar boat. I definitely don't have anything that sort of developed as an adult. Um, at least in part because the last several Christmases I've been at my job on Christmas. Um, so it's kind of hard to get up to much of anything. But um, even that aside, it feels like some of the stuff that even my family developed, like as I became a teenager or whatever, um, didn't necessarily stick around every year. Kind of like what you're saying, where... You know, you might do it a couple times and then maybe you don't or it, nobody's that precious about it uh, or it just doesn't continue like permanently. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting to see like what people might do or not do to make it uh, seem like Christmas or not. Um, I think I think a big part of it is is kids, really. And it's kind of in this movie is um, once you have kids, you either d- decide to create new traditions for them or you pass on traditions from when you were a kid. But but none of us have kids. And um, and even if you don't have like a, a partner to establish traditions with, then like traditions are normally something you share with someone else. And so um, and kids make that a lot easier. So without them. Uh, we're kind of just in this limbo phase in our 20s where where maybe it's it's not all that necessary like i watch i watch christmasy things every year every december i make sure to get a few in but other than that you know i just kind of i just kind of bop around and and do different things every year like this advent calendar i have on the go that's new i i don't don't think i've done that every year prior to this is it themed anything fun um it's uh it's vegan which is pretty cool like okay. it's vegan chocolate and then it's just got little like polar bears and stuff on it it's kind of cute nice every uh every christmas eve i play oblivion and i have since i was like 14 Dang. I bet your family loved that at the time <laughs> oh no no i would i would mom it's tradition it. i'm getting in the spirit I would never play it like with everyone. Like I would just like peel away for like a couple of hours, like during the day, like before things kind of get moving. Um, like if I have like a moment to myself on Christmas Eve, I'm gonna peel away and play Oblivion for like an hour. That's so 
fucking great. I love that. That's yeah. really cool. <laughs> and I've done it every year. Oblivion gets me in the Christmas cheer for some reason. Is there snow in it? There is like a, an area of the map that's like covered in snow. I just think it's kind of like goofy and lighthearted. And, I also uh, think like fan- fantasy stuff sometimes has like a, an inherent Christmasness. Yeah. Even if it's not snowy. I don't know why that is. I did get Skyrim for Christmas one year. Um, and I remember playing Oblivion the night before being like, I already saw you upstairs like <laughs> before you were wrapped. Goodbye. <laughs> sweet, <laughs> sweet friend. Did, did you and go then, like sneaking around looking for presents uh yeah i used to do that did you not really i think i was too worried about like the guilt of getting caught yeah well that's how i found out santa wasn't real well we don't know that for sure maybe it's just Uh, well he might be real you're right so happened to be doing a lot of the legwork but yeah he might be real yeah we could have that's just that's just sort of like the the evidence i have but there's there's plenty of other uh, sources that that support that he might in fact be real, such yeah. as uh, www. Yeah, such as the the government institution NORAD. Um, that those are the two. Those are the only two, but they're <laughs> they're big deals. It's that and the Coca Cola Corporation actually. It's actually www.santatracker.google.com. Did Google buy the Santa tracker? That kind of sucks. Yeah. There's nothing sacred. Seriously. Can't we commercialize Santa in peace without it being bought by Google? (laughs) I'm kind of down, honestly. Nothing says Christmas spirit more than shit getting bought. We must own the proof that Santa exists, and therefore... We we own the markets as well. We own everything. I'm listening to the Charlie Brown Christmas music by Vince Guaraldi Trio dot Google. (laughs) <laughs> oh this says yo this says that google is the one who started it in 2004 so i guess they're just oh, stamping shit. their brand on it now. it always like, has been egg on my face they're yeah. eating people <laughs> there's SantaTracker.net. there's got to be competing santa trackers right because one of them's uh, going to show you like 800 advertisements to try to make money true i you know i think that people have a vested interest in saying that he's other places you know and perhaps perhaps like i think this just goes to show that we can't really track him. Like, even though we, we're arrogant enough to make these things to, that say he's here right. at, at this given destination and he's moving west, you know, there's another thing that says otherwise. We don't really know anything about him. He can't. Maybe he can't be trusted at all. The the older I get, the more and more I think that. And uh, this movie, uh, no conclusive details about whether or not we can trust Santa Claus. Uh, this, of course, being a Christmas story, Christmas. Uh, famously, our main character has a bit of animosity with Santa Claus. It goes generally unresolved. He here. got curb stomped by Santa when he, he was did. a small boy. Was it curb stomped? I think so, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen the movie in a little bit. but So... This is an unorthodox way to approach this, but so here's an issue I'm going to run up against uh, needing to set up what this is a sequel to. I've definitely seen a Christmas story. I've definitely seen it. But if you asked me to tell you what it's about other than Christmas, I could not do that. Uh, I have no idea. It's like a kid and maybe it's in the past. It uh, is. Yeah, it's in the 40s. 
and he wants a gun and his I guess I've learned that his dad was cared about Christmas a lot uh I guess and it's about like the spirit of Christmas the spirit of Christmas uh and the importance of celebrating with your family and also like nostalgia I guess I don't know something like that <laughs> Sort of, yeah. I mean, Christmas story is uh, that that was a tradition for me for a long time. Um, I would make sure I watched it Christmas Eve, and it would always be on Christmas Day too, because it would just it would play on TV over and over, right? And it, there was the channels that would have twenty four hours of Christmas story, and I also have memories of uh, um, not having cable in my room, and so I would I would bring up I would haul up my VHS player to my bedroom to watch Christmas Story as I went to sleep. So I've seen it more than than most Christmas movies, but it's it's not a tradition I kept up once I once I moved out of my parents' house. But I have seen it a lot, and I I have a bit of a I'm I'm a bit uncertain about how this movie talks about the previous movie. Um, I got to assume they know it better than I do. But in my memory, the dad wasn't all that much of a Christmas fiend. I mean, he was he was down like he he's the one who bought Ralphie the 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 rifle that he wanted. Yeah, um, it seems like and, an old world dad. Yeah, Maybe. he's he's just he's not like a I guess when I think of the way they talk about him wanting to have his kids have his kids have the perfect Christmas I think of like a Clark Griswold type from the from the vacation movies where he's just like so committed to Christmas to a zany extent whereas I remember the original Christmas story being a lot more laid back and Ralphie was the one who was most excited about Christmas because kids are excited about Christmas and his dad you know, I guess his dad did do his best to uh, to make Christmas happen, and they they got the tree, and he was uh, um, excited about uh, getting his like lamp in the window, which I guess isn't all that related to Christmas. So I am kind of confused. Most of what I remember about the dad wasn't actually related to is to it Christmas? Could it be that because this is like his memories of Christmas from when he was a kid and wanting to replicate that? Is this just like? his perspective on his dad yeah maybe and because his dad really did make his christmas at the end you know his mom didn't want him to get the the bb gun, gun. And his dad is the one who got it and saved it for him uh extra it was like an extra gift after he thought that he didn't get it and his dad also um was supportive of him not wearing this bunny costume that his mom really wanted him to wear so i think his dad kind of did have his back so sounded like his parents shouldn't have been together oh gosh (laughs) (laughs) this sounds like they argue a lot um yeah i would assume maybe they're just using like his like kid perspective on it and that what that has like led to like in his memory of the holiday season perhaps sure yeah i i wish that they um they expressed that more it it felt a bit surface level i am giving them the benefit of the doubt in assuming that that was their goal Mm -hmm. before we get too deep how do you guys feel about christmas movies generally in my view a good christmas generally sorry generally in my in my view a, (laughs) a a good christmas movie is kind of like an exception to the norm. I feel like most Christmas movies just make me really mad. <laughs> the best Christmas movie is is one I don't have to watch. 
to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Like, Dang, you guys are Scrooges. What are Christmas movies that you guys don't like that are significant? Because, you know, there are thousands of, you know, made-for-TV Christmas movies. But I um, just engage with it so little, I don't even have an answer. Like, I don't know. Home Sweet Home Alone? <laughs> that movie's... Uh, Mitch, can we get one, please? <laughs> I want to steal the doll. Thank you so much. Um... Yeah, that movie's dog shit. Um, I mean, gosh, I don't know. Like, I tend to ignore them when they're on. Like, if they were ever on TV during the holidays, like, I just wasn't engaging with it. So I don't really know. What about you, Mitch? I mean, how do you feel about Elf, Home Alone? I've seen Elf a million times. Um, Do you like it? It sounds like you like it. It's all right. I like Elf. Elf's all right. Elf's fine. I think I've probably seen it too much because people yeah. would put it on like 14 times every if, if year. If you start quoting Elf around me, I'm going to be really uncomfortable. But uh, it's one of the better ones, I guess. Like, I think of Christmas movies that I like, and it's like, it's a, it's a narrow list. List them. God, I'm struggling. Home Alone, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Yeah, Home Alone. Uh, the the Bishop's Wife. What the fuck is that? <laughs> the classic Cary Grant Christmas movie. <laughs> uh, the, the second movie you say is the most Mitch Kudrowski ass choice of ever. <laughs> <laughs> were you like this as a child, Mitch? Were you uh, ten and you were like, "Mom, I'm gonna finish Oblivion, and then when I come out, you better not have Elf on. Put on the we fucking better be Bishop's the- Wife. Yeah. <laughs> you better have the Bishop's <laughs> Wife on TV. Please put on the Saint Nicholas Protocols, <laughs> whatever the fuck. Uh, the the Silent Partner. <laughs> this guy's um, busting my. Balls. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I don't want to open up. that. We're not doing this. That I said that, that is Eyes is- Wide Shut a Christmas movie. Who cares? Like. Well, what about what I about consider, the? I consider the apartment a Christmas movie, uh, by Billy New Wilder. Year's movie, I guess. I also consider uh, the Hudsucker Proxy by the Coen Brothers to be like kind of a Christmas movie. It's set more during New Year's Eve, but it's at the same time of the year. Um, Bad Santa, you like that one? I don't know if I. I don't even. I don't, I don't know if I, I can even tell it. you what that no, is about. I, Again, I I steer clear a lot of a lot of them out of spite. I've been I've been burned too many times. But the thing is, that I never really forget. I never really like remember the titles of the movies that I that I don't like. I just know I've seen an overwhelming number of Christmas movies that I I don't like. I don't really like the original or, or the the Jim Carrey Grinch movie. I'm a fan of the original cartoon. Um, Jade, if you're listening, stop now because Mitch is about to rip the Grinch apart. Well, we were on the episode together. Yeah, when well, you're gonna do it again. <laughs> No, I'm not Maybe. going to. I'm just going to just a fair warning. I don't know. Yeah, Christmas movies, I just kind of I don't get a lot out of what a lot of Christmas movies are trying to do, which is engender like that particular feeling of the holiday season in you, but I feel like they end up being like very saccharine in a way that ends up kind yeah. of annoying me without actually like having something I relate to in any meaningful way, or they're just kind of dumb. So I don't really... And look, I don't really engage with them in good faith. Uh, I'm willing to admit that. Uh, I'm just sort of like, okay, we're chucking a random Christmas movie on. I'm going to tune out. 
Stop being an apologist in case the Christmas lover movies come for you. The Christmas lover movies. The Christmas Those are movie different lovers. kind of things. I can't speak today. Holy shit. <laughs> Christmas lovers. You Christmas lovers. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Was that a satisfactory answer? <laughs> it um, was. You tapped into the fact that like every Christmas movie to kind of be good needs to have like a heightened level of like artifice. All movies are, are artificial. But I find there's something especially artificial about Christmas movies. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a a proponent of the the subgenre in its entirety. But I think, uh, I think there can be some absolutely brilliant ones. I think, you know, there are there are s- just a few that I, that I keep watching, and so I guess, um, you know, maybe maybe that's a testament. But it's it's a tough thing to do uh, to to establish that that feeling of the holidays and i think a lot of it is sort of a chicken or the egg thing where it's it might be a have to be a movie you saw as a kid and so it makes you think of the holidays because you watched it during the holidays as a kid um as opposed to it makes you think of the holidays because it is a is a movie that carries that feeling so a lot of the christmas movies i love are movies that i watched as a kid and to me they they still hold up because they i don't know if they carry that feeling or because uh, i liked them as a kid like the original christmas story home alone elf would be there bad santa would be there uh, national lampoon's christmas vacation would be there um and then the ones that i'm drawn to nowadays are uh Every once in a while, one will come along, and I'll feel like it'll it'll be an interesting take on on Christmas, and it will it will be a, a, a an interesting story uh, separate from the Christmas thing. And then the fact that they can tie it into Christmas sort of gives it a, a bonus um, in that now it has a specific place and time, and it it might make you think about it once a year and make you want to watch it like a. Arthur Christmas was a, a recent one that I thought was really brilliant. And then, of course, the horror-tinged stuff I, I think is amazing because of the juxtaposition. Uh, so stuff like uh, Gremlins or Better Watch Out from a few years ago. Dude. Uh, the Black Christmas movies. Um, Thank you for cr- showing Krampus. me Better Watch Out, by the way. <laughs> that movie yeah. rules. Yeah, I, I love that stuff. And I, I, I love just the look of Christmas movies, snow and lights and all that. I, I do tend to uh, shy away when they lean too heavily into this idea that uh, Christmas has to be a time of joy um, when everything is all figured out. That's when you get into made-for-TV territory. And I've had to watch a lot of those for work. And they're all the same Um all the exact same formula and so when it comes to those christmas movies i'm 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 not a fan of those um but if there's like a mainstream christmas movie um that sounds like it has an interesting hook and it happens to be a christmas movie that won't that won't turn me off of it in fact i'll be kind of curious because i am always uh, excited at the idea that a, a new film can enter the Christmas echelon and become a classic. So I excitedly went to see uh, The Night Before, starring Seth Rogen, when that came out a few years ago. Um, I was excited about that Happiest Season movie from last year with Kristen Stewart. Um, and my mileage varies on those movies, but but I am always into the idea of... Uh, um, 
a well put together Christmas movie, a seemingly well put together one. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think for me recently, I think I'm most interested in a movie that's like incidentally at Christmas time or like Christmas horror stuff has been fun. Yeah, that's that's kind that's of how that I like sounds it. like a Mitch pick right there. Incidentally, yeah, but, at Christmas time. Uh, well, I think it's it often sort of complements the movie when you have it set during the holidays, and then you kind of deal with other themes and ideas. Because I feel like the holidays bring out like a lot of feelings, um, and like I think like precise feelings. Like it's always a stressful time. I feel like for a lot of people, it can be like a lonely time or like a an isolating time. Um. I think movies just benefit from having that level of specificity. Yeah. Like any level of specificity. It's like, it's kind of the same thing. Um, like something like, uh, do the right thing, which has nothing to do with Christmas at all. Hmm. That but, should have been a Christmas movie. It should have been it's cold got this, on that It's block. got the specificity of like, it's the hottest day of the year and some shit's also happening. And it's like that level of specificity of circumstance adds to everything dog day afternoon yeah and just that but christmas i think it's i think that's a, i think that's great um and uh then we have a christmas story christmas which is sort of one of the more straightforward christmas movie options you could you could have so this movie's the whole gist of it is essentially um you know it's uh it's the 70s now and Ralphie is a grown man with a family and he's not doing too hot because he's trying to write the next great American novel and um, they're going to do Christmas like normal and they're trying to make it good but then his dad dies and so they go home for Christmas instead and he has to sort of take on the mantle of being the Christmas king and kind of bringing it all back together for the family and it's time of greatest need that's kind of the gist of it that's pretty much all you need to know um the movie is directed by clay caddis who has directed another christmas movie the christmas chronicles mm, with a kurt, kurt russell. russell and also something called snoopy presents for old lang syne so he's also done a new year's movie i guess um and another uh, important holiday, uh, the Angry Birds movie. In honor of all the Angry Birds, I guess. Um, there is a lot of writing credits because it's split up uh, unusually. There is screen story by Nick Shank, who wrote uh, a bunch of Clint Eastwood movies. Uh, Gran Torino, The Mule, and Cry Macho interesting and also narcos uh and then peter billingsley wrote has a screen story credit he's also ralphie uh he's he was on the wonder years briefly he's an executive producer or producer on a whole bunch of things that's sort of where he's been behind the scenes for a while i'm not sure why this movie made me think of cry macho well, the writing's right there. Yeah, no, but I like I was thinking about the movie Cry Macho while I was watching this movie. Which <laughs> really? Is weird. Yeah. Why? The di- like just like the way that it, that it feels like with the with the dialogue and how it kind of bounces along. Well, this wow. is why it's the same dude. Yeah, that's so cool. Is that a good movie? Do you like it? I didn't really like 
cry macho, but it, 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 the family dynamics um, in some way feel ways feel very similar. Um, not like it within like the the way that the characters are written, but I think with how they kind of um, relate like, to in, one interact mostly. God, cry macho is such a good name for a movie to have. Um, the I watched screen, it on a plane. Was it? What were your other options on this plane? Oh, um, Christ, I'm trying to remember what I watched. Uh, <laughs> if you don't know, it's fine. <laughs> no, I don't remember. I, I watched All About Eve twice. <laughs> and I watched uh, I watched The Sting as, as well. Recommendations from Mitch on a Plane. I would recommend um, both of those movies. You can't go wrong with either of them. <laughs> and then the screenplay is by Nick Shank and the director, Clay Caddis. Uh, it's based on the book by Gene Shepard. In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. I'm going to level with you. I don't know what that means. I've been thinking about that phrase since I saw it in the credits, and I have no idea what it is supposed to mean. It's driving me fucking crazy. If anybody knows what it means, please tell me. Yeah, I can't help. I don't get it. And I could have looked it up, but I don't want to. I wanted to try to suss it out, and I just couldn't do it. Uh, so that's tough. I'm sure it's one of those things where maybe it's like referential to something in the book. Maybe. Yeah, t- titles tend to be that way. Yeah, because I really don't get it. Uh. Hold on. And God we trust all others pay cash was a common phrase in America in the early decades of the 20th century, meaning that neither credit nor checks will be accepted as payment. Oh. Okay, weird. So it just sort of doesn't translate nowadays, I guess. Um, the movie is edited by David Hines. Uh, nothing to do with the ketchup conglomerate, but he did edit the Harrison Ford film, The Call of the Wild. Uh, the cinematography is by Matthew Clark, who uh, shot 30 Rock, the TV show, um, and some movies like Pitch Perfect 3 and The Incredible Burt Wonderstone. And then uh, the music is by Jeff Morrow, who also worked on some Peanuts Snoopy-related material, including the Snoopy show, Snoopy in Space, and then uh, something called Five More Sleeps Till Christmas, and uh, Jumanji The Next Level. Uh, For the cast, we've got Peter Billingsley as Ralph, or Ralphie, depending on your preference. We've got Aaron Hayes as his wife, Sandy, who we've actually seen on the show before in Bill and Ted face the music. Thought I recognized her from somewhere, had no idea what it was. It was probably that. Um, we've got the Wikipedia list for the cast is in a really strange order. Uh, so I'm going to g- give me a moment while I shuffle it to make sure that I'm reading this in an order that makes sense to me. Uh, Julie Haggerty plays Ralph's mom. Uh, she was in Freddy Got Fingered. Uh, airplane one and two she's the man and marriage story that's a fun combination of things uh we've got river Drosh and juliana lane 
playing uh, Mark and Julie, the kids of the movie. Uh, River Droche was in the Orville for an episode. Juliana Lane was on an episode of SNL. So, so they're getting around. She hosted it. She did host it, which was a pretty big get for like a six-year-old child. Or however old this kid is. I have no idea. Um, maybe that kid's like 15. I don't know how old anybody is. She was six at the time, though, of the SNL hosting. Of the SNL taping, a while right? Ago. Yeah, 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 true. Um, we've got Scott Schwartz as Flick. Um, he was in a movie called Doll Killer 2 and a movie called The Devil in Miss Jones 6. Uh, Marilyn Chambers is still insatiable. And new wave hookers versus the next generation. Liam, I heard you inhale. Yeah, so it sounds like some of those are porn movies. They do appear to be Cause, porn cause he, movies. He worked in porn, and I've known this since I was a kid. Um, you know, because when when I first got the internet, it probably wasn't long until I was looking up Christmas Story because it was a big part of my life. Um, and then it wasn't much longer after that you were looking up porn. <laughs> Oh, no, much before that, I would have been looking up porn. <laughs> That's the first thing I did when I got the internet. And then after that, in the uh, in Liam the famously got the internet when he, Liam famously got the internet when he was 17. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I, I would I would wonder what the kids from Christmas Story were up to when I looked it up. And, and uh, even on the IMDb trivia page, it would say that, like, Flick, uh, the actor, works Lane in... Pipe in porn now it in fact i i reread his wikipedia page like yesterday and it said that he he first started work in non-sexual roles and then on camera non-sexual roles like he would work behind the scenes and then he worked in front of the scenes but still non-sexual and then he worked uh in front of the scenes sexually sexually i think that's all true i might have dreamt that um (laughs) Because I watched this movie right before bed. No, no, no. It's it's it, it's all true. Yeah, that's on his Wikipedia page. And so going into this movie, I remembered that, and I was like, "Man, are they still going to have him in the movie?" I mean, I don't see I don't see why not. But sometimes, uh, you know, movie companies can be kind of stingy about people's pasts. But I'm glad to see he uh, he's he's actually here. He's actually here, and Marilyn Chambers is still insatiable. Hmm. To this very day. <laughs> um, R.D. Rob plays Schwartz. Uh, he was in uh, God Bless His Soul, the Brady Bunch movie. Hell yeah. Nice. Uh, he was also in Matilda, apparently. Oh, I love Matilda. I saw on Netflix yesterday that they're putting up the Matilda musical yeah. on Netflix in like a week. I, I might pick that at some point. Did you see the Twitter do. clip? that was going around no, no, I, kids I, in that movie dancing the hardest i've ever seen anyone dance in my life no bro. no I, ju- I just saw it while scrolling they're Netflix. going crazy a kid does a fucking backflip off of a wall wow yeah it's fucking nuts let's do it on the pod it sounds fun <laughs> i would watch it absolutely fuck it whatever i can talk about how i felt like i was the only person when i was a kid who didn't like matilda but in hindsight i don't think i actually dislike it more than i probably only saw it like once and don't really remember it at all hmm. but we'll save that for another day yeah we'll have to settle this it's time to talk about scut farkas um that's not a name i remember about the first movie at all is that like a joke name 
Or is that just the guy's name? What's the deal with um, Scott Farkas? Kind of, kind of both. Like, I think the original Christmas story is very understated. I don't think it draws attention to its jokes. Um, so with Scott, you know, they say that his name is Scott Farkas and he puts emphasis on it like it's an evil name. And he talks about how Scott Farkas has yellow eyes. But it also is just his name, um, which, I, which I did. It's just it's just a good bully name, and he's got his little toady there on the side, his little but sidekick who would be toady. Named Scott, a bad, bad, bad kid, came from like, a bad home life. He was just trying to impress his dad. Remember? So I don't remember. No. <laughs> oh, he said that in this movie. I gotta pay closer attention. Um, well, he was in Transformers as well, not playing Scott Farkas. He was also in Freddy versus Jason, and that one he mm-hmm. is playing Scott Farkas. And then no, in, in Resident Evil, but he might be, you don't know. And then in Resident Evil Apocalypse, he's not playing Scott Farkas. He's also in Almost Famous, Sharknado, Heart of Sharkness, um, and the video <laughs> game Rise of the Tomb Raider. Heart of Scutness? Heart of Scutness? <laughs> Scutnado? We need it. No, wait, no. Scutnado, Heart of Farkas. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> we need the oh, we need the spinoff. Uh, then we've got um, we've got Billy Brayshaw, who is only in one scene in the movie when uh, Ralph imagines that he goes to jail. He's playing the older version of his kid. That scene's so stupid. And the, well, I'm gonna it. kick your ass, Mitch. <laughs> and then Tegan Grace Muggeridge is uh plays the older daughter in that scenario we've got uh kaylin galloway and alistair galloway as the snowmobile bullies and uh that's pretty much everybody that's all i got um i don't know if you mentioned uh randy did you bring up randy the little brother uh, of randy oh no i did have his name but the cast list is in a weird order ian patrella plays randy What's up, Randy? It was good to see him again. Was it? I think so. Yeah, a lo- like almost all these actors are from the original, so it was, it was cool. I are it. they? Yeah, yeah. Oh. The only recast I is... I scrolled through these people's credits and not a lot... <laughs> no, no, no. Not a lot of them like mentioned up top that they were in this. Weird. So I didn't really clue into those things. No, yeah, all of them. It's it's all of them are from the original movie except for the mom. That's a recast because the the mom retired from acting like fifteen years ago. But she's still alive though. And uh, and the dad actor uh, who was awesome, he actually did die in two thousand six, and so he's not in the movie obviously. But other than that, um, you know, all Ralphie's friends and his little brother and Scott. That that's all. That's all the original actors. Neat. Yeah, I scrolled through these. Maybe I just wasn't paying close enough attention. I was waiting for you to say, you know, also from the original Christmas story. And then I figured that you just weren't saying it because like it was obvious or something. Yeah, that's that's exactly why. <laughs> it's not because I'm bad at my job. The one job that I have during this part of the uh, the podcast. No, of course not. Um. Okay. So uh, did, did you think that like these people like when they were doing the flashbacks and stuff to the old characters did you think that it was just probably like just recast they just got adult actors or did it cross your mind that it could be the same actors or what? Th- neither thought crossed my mind. 
I did not think about it. <laughs> I did not think while watching this movie. <laughs> well, the only person they make a big deal about coming back is fucking Peter Billingsley and all the promo stuff. So I figured he was the main dude. Right, but 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 then you didn't just watch the promo stuff, you watched the movie, and I thought that in the but, movie they draw a whole lot of attention to the fact that it's the same people. But because I don't have an attachment to that movie, I'm not going to like immediately recognize anybody, so if they show me like two frames of the original movie in a flashback and overlay it over the new old version of the actor from real life, because they've aged, I'm not, I didn't notice that. <laughs> Because I don't, I don't, I already didn't know who these people were. What did you think, Mitch? Did you notice that they were all the same actors? So I definitely recognize it was some of the people. I, ha- I haven't really watched this movie that many times. I watched it a few times when I was a kid. I haven't seen it recently. I probably haven't seen it in like seven years. Um, but definitely like uh, some of the people have like a likeness to them. And I, and, I, and I also felt like with how it's shot it's, and how these people are photographed with like their reveal scenes, it's done with like a sense of import. Um, so it's like it almost feels like they're like, hey, look at this. It's like the same person. Like, you know, you, hey, you know how when movies do that when it's like a return? Like, yeah, I yeah. Twin I, Peaks, I thought it was super heavy handed. Yeah. Like when Twin Peaks did this with with like the, the revamping of like that series, I feel like it does that a bit. Or it actually does that quite a lot, and um, yeah, but Twin Peaks is allowed. Yeah, Twin Peaks is allowed because it's Twin Peaks. Dude, Scott and... Farkas would fit right into Twin Peaks. Dead ass. Yeah. I, honestly, this is like only a couple degrees removed from just being Twin Peaks. Well, I I feel like a Christmas story, it, like the original, definitely feels Lynchian, like with that sort of like mid-century, like sort of childhood sort of vibe. Um, I totally agree. Yeah. It's uh. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I, I, it felt like it, but I also, I'm kind of like Corey too, where I don't have a huge attachment to this movie, but it felt like, 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 like it was that. Nice, yeah, it is. It it was. Um, some of them, you know, I could see it in their face right away, like Scott and Schwartz. Um, but I also found it interesting that. <laughs> a lot of them like looked like they were different ages like vastly different ages now despite them all being kids yeah. in the movie and i Time guess is know, a cruel that's, mistress. <laughs> that's right that's just natural what are you going to do but but i could see how that would sort of make it a bit tougher because it doesn't necessarily seem like uh um like in like american pie what was that american reunion like those all kind of look like they're like you know 30 or 40 something and so even if you've never seen the old ones you're like yeah this is this is the group of friends that are older now but this one i thought i thought even like between ralphie and his wife i was like um i'm trying to figure out where we are spatially how many years have passed since the original in you know what's interesting that you use that example i looked this up because i had this moment where i was like did they cast him like a weirdly young wife i had that moment where i was like why did they do this and then i looked it up and they're only like five years of different in age yeah that's wild like man good for her and, and he doesn't look like crazy old or anything i think peter billingsley looks like a perfectly regular guy no she, think, she like, just doesn't look she like just she's doesn't 45. look like that yeah but she was great i thought she was really funny so um i can understand the casting even though visually i thought it did look a bit weird yeah um who wants to go first 
I'm more. I know, I, know I don't Liam usually do that, but huh? I think Liam has like the most skin in the game here. Liam, do you feel like you have the most skin in the game here? Definitely, yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to let us know what you thought? Sure, I'll rip that skin right off. Uh, Tear it off. Gosh, yeah, I'm gonna so, rip it. I'm gonna rip your skin off. Um, <laughs> Merry Christmas. I'm gonna rip your skin off. <laughs> so thankfully, KrampusTracker.com. He's coming for you. Um, <laughs> KrampusTracker.com. I want a website. Sorry, that says KrampusTracker.com, and it just is a white screen that just says he's right behind you. Yes. Oh my gosh, <laughs> dude. Dude, it would be sick if like it automatically brought up your webcam. You know, it didn't even have to ask you for permission. It brought up your <laughs> webcam, and uh, and it like makes it so there's a filter so yeah. that Krampus is standing behind over your you. shoulder. Yeah. TM TM TM. That's ours. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So um. I'll say right off the bat, this is no Christmas story too. Thank God. Um, Dude, fuck that movie. <laughs> yeah. And I hope, regardless of how you feel about this movie, Cora, I hope you can agree with me on that. I think um and and that's that's what I feared the most, I think, would that was that this would be uh on the level of Christmas story too, which is I think one of the uh, worst one of the worst I've movies seen we've, we've in watched. my life. Yeah, definitely one of the worst we've watched. Um but I, I I did have actually I had higher expectations than than that and I, I was really excited to watch this movie because I knew it had a lot of the original cast um, and I just I, I I had to think they've got a they must have a good reason for coming back to do this because uh, that movie has been a classic for a long time it's not like this just caught on in the last five years and they're capitalizing on it. Um, this has has been a, a childhood classic for for generations of kids at this point, and so um, there must have been a reason they didn't do it earlier, and they're doing it now. Why are they doing it now? I wondered. So I was really curious to see what avenue they would take this in. Um, I came away a bit disappointed. This is just not the movie I wanted it to be and that's what disappointed me the most when we were talking about christmas movies at the top here and you guys were saying that um a lot of them feel quite saccharine and that you guys prefer movie christmas movies that are uh, taking place around christmas and maybe they have christmas imagery but they are about other things uh you know mitch said you know they might be about christmas is often a sad or a lonely time uh, a busy time um and so I, I think I was hoping that this would just be more adult-based. I, I didn't realize I was hoping that going in. And, and, and I think it's kind of a, a ridiculous hope. But um, I didn't like that this movie was uh, as much of a kid's comedy as it was. And it's not all the way, you know, it's not Christmas story too. It does have adult themes. It, it does, it deals a bit with grief and it deals with having kids of your own and, and nostalgia as an adult um, and, and passing traditions onto your kids and stuff. So it does have some adult themes, but I think that I would have preferred if it sort of bypassed all the uh, schmaltzy Christmas stuff um, basically entirely. I still want this to take place on Christmas. I still want it to be a Christmas movie, but I've seen a good amount of Christmas movies that is about like a, a dad trying to give his kids the perfect Christmas, trying to, trying to um, 
established tradition, being a fish out of water in a town when he's used to a city. All all of the made-for-TV Christmas movies are that sort of thing. And so I just wanted this to be dressed up a bit differently. And at times, I thought it was going to be. Um, when this started off establishing Ralph Ralphie as, as a writer, and he's written a failed... Um, 2000 page opus that no publisher will pick up and uh and we know that he is some sort of writer because both movies have his his voiceover you know talking about when he was a kid in the first movie and now here he is again um ralphie is doing his best gene shepherd impression who is the the narrator of the first one um and so I know he's 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 a writer of some sort, and at some point he's going to write about his childhood. And so I was hoping that that sort of thing would start earlier. I, I was hoping that he would go to his small town and right from the get-go be reflecting on what it was like when he was a kid and reacquainting with these these people that he hasn't seen in a long time, these friends. Um and I thought that a lot of that stuff was kind of glossed over. Like when his friends see him for the first time, and I don't know how long, I don't know if it's since he moved away when he was, you know, going to college or something, or if he goes back often. Um, but it it's seems like, like he never goes back. It, it seems that way. But then his friends see him and immediately they're just like, oh, hey, Ralphie, it's good to see you. And then they're just all hanging out. And I think I wanted something that was like a bit more pensive and a bit more uh i just i just yeah a bit more weight to it i just wanted something different i wanted it to be a bit more a bit more dramatic um and i've seen from a lot of people who are fans of the original that that this really worked for them in like a in a seven out of ten way where it it was a cozy christmas movie that made them nostalgic for the original but also gave them a good time and so i think i was just expecting or or wanting a bit too much um because this movie did make me laugh occasionally i think there's there's some good jokes in it some some cute performances um some some funny bits but i think just because it is a sequel an official sequel to a movie that is 40 years old that has changed so many lives and is so unique as a christmas movie like that a christmas story i don't think it's similar at all to to any of the other christmas movies around that time that are it it has the lead up to christmas day as so many christmas movies do but other than that it's it's really meandering and and sort of like ethereal honestly mitch calling it lynchian isn't that too far off it just has this weird feeling to it um so that's bob clark baby i, I, I you think know it, you'll love him <laughs> i think it is bob clark and maybe gene shepherd had something to do with it as well and he, yeah he, he was the guy who wrote the stories and narrated it in yeah. his past and it's just He's bringing that black christmas pizzazz to a christmas yeah. story that original one is just so unique and i think this is just a bit more typical than i wanted um but i am still I'm 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 glad I saw it and I'm 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 truly glad it got made because it must have been nice for these these people to get together again um and make this movie and see each other again and I guess it just would have been like way riskier and way too much of a uh um it would just be too big of a feat to like make something that's more of like 
a life opus about um about something like very personal it's definitely a safer bet to just make it a christmas movie that the kids can enjoy with a bit of adult stuff thrown in there is this a new classic in your assessment though like are people going to be like bust out a christmas story christmas it's that time of year again right i think i think it's going to be traditional for a lot of people because i think um it's it's not offensive and so uh people are gonna put it on the way that they don't put christmas story 2 on but as for being up there in the echelon with like the five to ten christmas movies that people can get around and say this one really packs a punch i don't think it'll be that i think it's much more of like a b-tier christmas movie that people are gonna put on and i think that um it really would have been remarkable if this had gone like dude like i'm thinking of something like dr sleep which obviously is a different (laughs) genre but just think of how that movie like reckons with the legacy and the mood of that original and then recontextualizes it while also um being such a piece on its own like something like that would have been amazing and you know i'm asking for a lot i wouldn't be able to do it myself so so you know what can i do but um so this was a bit disappointing uh but it was still it, it got some chuckles out of me um it was all right for like a one time watch and maybe I'll see it a few more times throughout my life but to me it is uh it's nowhere close to the first one and I know that's that's a lot to ask but I guess because it is a sequel to the first one I just wish that they swung for the fences a bit more Yeah that Christmas story of the return if you will <laughs> Yes, get David Lynch to do it. That would be that would be absolutely bananas. Um, Mitch, what about you? You watched the right movie this time, which I think is a good start. <laughs> ha ha, um, very fucking funny. Look, man, I waited an hour to say that. I could have said it right away. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you had the self-control because you seemingly took every opportunity last episode to remind me that I watched the wrong movie <laughs> and that I barely even watched it, which is honestly completely fair. Did you take a bath this time or what was the approach to it? um did i take a bath yeah because you showered during the last movie oh i don't know i thought you were trying to throw some kind of like some slang at me like (laughs) what happened this time charlie you take a bath or what not quite i'm not that smart all right i'm not that smart no you got smarts (laughs) tell me i took a bath oh but yeah anyway that aside no bath so I come down pretty similarly to Liam, except I don't have the nostalgia to really like care that much about this movie. I think you could do a whole lot worse um, this time of year. There's there's so many things that are kind of turned out from studios that are just risk averse. And I think that this film is completely risk averse in a lot of ways. Um, but just... Yeah, they should have sent his son to Vietnam. <laughs> My point is everyone knows <laughs> everyone knows the kind of movies um that I'm talking about but uh yeah I think one of the things that Liam sort of talked about was that the original movie um was very understated and I think that this movie is like the exact opposite everything feels unnatural this feels completely rote the original had a sort of naturalism it's and the naturalism kind of came into its charm and, and, it, and it, it came by these qualities um, easily. And uh, 
this one just feels so written and the line delivery feels reserved. I mean, it, it just feels kind of, I don't know, phony. And, um, I think the narration really adds to the, to the sense that it's, um, unnatural and, and wrote i mean the it's uh, everything's so overt about this movie i felt like it was just a from start to finish an instance of telling instead of showing and i think the part of like the the beauty of the of the original is just how like laid back and how you can just sort of look at it and take it and this one it's throwing things at you and like kind of holding it in front of you and being like huh like it it, it spoon feeds like the, the jokes to you and there's there's no subtlety and it takes every moment to be like and we're shoehorning this thing in from the original telegraph like i don't know throwback and legacy credit coming in on line three stand away from the gap it's coming in so it's not not really my kind of movie um i guess it's cool to see everybody back together and if i were a huge fan of this franchise would be cool but i'm pogging so hard right now at a christmas story christmas but not my thing i think some of the performances don't feel that great i think the kids i mean it's so hard to to sort of criticize a child actor you can't really do it but um the, the the performances from a lot of the kids in this movie didn't really work for me. Um, there's like some like sweet moments and some moments that made me smile, but I don't know. After a while, I was like, "What are we doing?" It's such like a um, an episodic movie where it's just like, and now this guy's going off a ski jump, and we're gonna narrate like every sort of the obvious thoughts that must be going through his head, and it's like. I don't know. I thought the throwback to the sort of mall Santa scene was really cute because that's such a classic scene from the original. Um, and they do some things pretty, pretty well there. Like I think the exchange that the girl has with Santa Claus is funny. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, not my, not my bag uh, completely. I, I, I think if it were up to me, I'd say you could do a lot worse, but you could definitely do a lot better. Yeah, same. Um, this is kind of the prime example I was talking about earlier in like the very saccharine Christmas movie example. Um, very sort of like sweet and, and a little bit overwrought. Like if you were if this was a candy and you ate it, like you would almost have to spit it out by virtue of just how overpowering the sweetness is. It's like a holiday. It's like a stomachache on the holidays. <laughs> yeah. And, but it's, it's, it's executed in a completely inoffensive way. Um, I wrote on letterbox that this movie is next to the word bland in the dictionary. Um, it's a, it's a very like nothing burger sort of viewing experience. Um, yeah, the narration feels very like handholdy. I I feel like this movie does have a very good understanding of his audience, though, because it does a lot of the kind of jokes where like your parent, like not our parents per se, but like the hypothetical your parents that you dream up <laughs> in like a pitch meeting. You know what I mean? Hypothetical your parents are going to see like the fact that, oh, we get to sit on the couch and drink wine while the kids do the ornaments. And they're going to say, isn't this just child labor? And we all laugh and like everybody's going to laugh at that when they're watching the movie because haha, so true. And there's a lot of moments of just 
it's just sort of acknowledging things about the Christmas experience that people who are now adults who are watching this will go, ah, yes, haha, so true, Ralphie. And I do think it does, it doesn't lack an emotional core. It's just very basic and straightforward. And I agree that if I had to watch this movie, I'd certainly rather it swung for something greater. Um, it's just a very, like, it's the most normcore Christmas movie imaginable. Um, mm. It's not doing anything particularly interesting, uh, but it's not, like, offensively bad. You know, it's it's whatever. It's wallpaper as cinematic experience. Though I do think it is kind of a concerning... Like, it's portraying this level of nostalgia that Ralphie has as kind of a welcome sort of reprieve from this grind that he's in of trying to get his job off the ground. But it's kind of like off-putting just how attached everyone is to this and like how hyper-focused this feeling of like, oh man, wasn't the past great? Let's go relive all the hits because I peaked when I was eight. Like, that f- does feel a little bit strange to me. And I'm not just trying to be cynical. I-, I do earnestly mean that. I feel like there was a way to acknowledge that there's a nostalgic element without leaning into it this heavily. Um, But yeah, it's got, it's very, you know, polite and inoffensive. People will laugh when the mom falls after Too setting up all the, yeah, and, or the figure skating gag and like, you know, it's it's fine but like it washes over you and then nothing you get it it doesn't leave a lasting impression i've forgotten about the first christmas story because i i haven't seen it that many times and not in a long time i'll forget about this just because it's not an impactful viewing experience not every movie has to be but i i mean i don't know why you would go back to this other than it's it's sort of like if you wanted to put on a Yule log that could talk, you could just put this on and then not really pay attention to it at all. Um, and you'd get probably the same amount of value out of it. And I don't want to make it a proposition, but or um a transaction, but uh I mean, I don't know. I did not get much out of this. There again, yeah, there are a few moments where you might you know, chuckle or smile. That Castro line is genuinely funny. Uh, yeah, I I loved that whole scene where he was uh like hung over and uh, talking about the things that that they were gonna do. Yeah, I there's the some there's some cute moments, there. and you know, it has flashes, but at the same time, it's just sort of like to what end? And I don't really know. Eh, kind of whatever. But there are moments again. There are significantly worse things. You could watch i just i guess part of it too is some of it does feel underbaked i think liam was talking about how that, that emotional core of the return home and the friendship and the rekindling of those things feels kind of eh and uh the subplot with the kids and the new bullies is like borderline non-existent yeah i think it was like too quickly baked like i we first heard about this movie what in like august or something when they like announced that it was like for sure coming, oh, I'm a not sure. Date. Yeah. Um, and so I you're think, saying it was burnt. Yeah, I think I do think it was burnt. Um, and I think it was just <laughs> yeah put together too quickly. Like 
I would love to know uh, why it came together now. Like, I don't know if maybe COVID helped where like people were like, uh, now that it's faded a bit, people were like all together and they weren't, they weren't busy, but they probably needed Peter Billingsley to want to do it. And once they got him, it probably got a lot easier. Yeah. And and even then, like he, he has the, he has a story credit. So that would make me think that like he wanted he he wanted to do it uh maybe from the get-go like that's quite the involvement um and it says on wikipedia in january 2022 uh warner bros announced that a legacy sequel was in development and so you know that's pretty quickly and then principal photography began in late february 2022 and uh who knows how long it was it was cooking before that but to me it feels like it it all came together quickly. That's how it reads on the screen. That it it is it's a a typical Christmas antic movie, and then it's just laced with those pretty easy bits of nostalgia, where like you've got him looking at old items from the past, and you get a bit of voiceover narration that. But um, addicts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, I think they convey that that sense of nostalgia better in one scene where there's a scene where uh, Clark Griswold, Chevy Chase's character, he gets locked in the attic by accident and uh, he gets locked and then up. He there. accidentally throws a kid over a staircase. <laughs> he gets locked up there because he's going to hide a, a Christmas gift. And as he's hiding it, he realizes that there's a Christmas gift in his little hiding space um, that he uh, it, it was like 20 years old that he had forgot up there. And so that's a, that's a bit of like the past. And then and then he gets locked up there by accident and he puts on a, a, a old reels of family home movies and he just sits there and watches it for a bit. Um, and I think that hits harder than a lot of this stuff here where it's just these quick uh, like sitcom-y like flashbacks um, like when they first mention that the that the dad died when he gets the phone call um, you just get Ralphie's perspective and so he's on the phone he says hey mom you know uh, what oh my god um, and I picked up right away, you know, what the mom must be saying. Um, but then they do like a, a quick one to two second flash, a face of the old uh, 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 of the old man's uh, face in a photo. They flash it really quickly. Um, and I thought that was so off putting. Like, if anything, you think you would hold it on screen longer so we could appreciate it or just not do it at all. But this quick flash seemed like it was like a quick, like, um, uh, little uh, shortcut for people who weren't getting it. We're just going to flash this, this, this piece of information on the screen just in case they're not understanding. And I thought, I thought that there was quite a lot of that. Um, and, there's in the conclusion they do this i think really cool thing where ralphie is narrating and that narration becomes the narration that starts the original christmas story movie um and you see a a a clip that starts the original christmas story and i think that's a really cool idea but i didn't feel like it was earned at all because the movie prior was so different that um i had totally forgotten about the uh his his whole writing gig because it it just ends up being about him getting up to christmas hijinks and then the fade happens so quickly and then the movie ends very abruptly and so 
I just really wasn't in the moment at all. And so I think that this really could have benefited from, um, I think, leaning all one way or even all the other way because as is it it sort of feels like a like a tv special like a tv special reunion that you just you put together really quickly and we like seeing the people again and we like these these quick flashbacks but i guess when it comes to a a movie that's ostensibly 40 years in the making like you have 40 years to think about this um i guess i i would just i would want a bit more from it if it were me, I would do it better, but I guess I'm built different. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's kind of it. I think you've put it extremely eloquently. Um, mm-hmm. If you want some cute moments in a Christmas movie and some sort of nothing other things, I've got, I've got great news. <laughs> if you I'll- want a movie that your grandparents are going to go fucking berserk over... I've got incredible news. Um and I think I think kids will like this as well. Um but I think I think uh I don't I don't think it'll it'll hold up um in the long run as well. I I do think there's some hilarious stuff in here honestly. Some other moments that really made me laugh. One I guffawed at. I had to play it back. I was laughing so hard and I needed to see it again. Do you guys have any guesses as to what it could be? No. It's when the daughter gets absolutely crushed. Oh, yeah. By a oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say that shot, perfect. The perfect shot for that. Absolutely. Just- <laughs> like, that's the sort of thing where I'm like, that is a- the filmmaking is exactly how it needed to be. The pacing was perfect. The shot you chose was perfect, where it's this wide angle and you see her whole body standing yeah. there and you see the snowball fly and connect. Yeah. I think they in must one have shot. used a-, a dummy or maybe like a stunt kid or something because it yeah, looks like it- pretty good. <laughs> exactly it looked yeah, like no notes with that one that's great and, and so that's the sort of thing where it's just like wow you knew exactly how to play that moment off um and I, it was so unexpected too that's not the way you would expect a shot like that to look at a christmas movie i would expect you know a close-up of a snowball flying in the air or like a, or a, a shot cutaway, of the girl right? screaming before it hits her and then a cutaway but you just get see her you just see her get creamed yeah. and there's actually some like notable stunt work in this yeah. movie that it's like a jackass shot basically and there's more of that later like when the adults are sledding and they're just like slamming into trucks and flying off jumps (laughs) and that was really cool too like that was like actual stunt work um and that that sort of thing uh i could see being um it's more in line with the original where like it feels very realistic but also like weirdly zany um it's not often in christmas movies you would or even kids movies where you would you would uh, just stick with it like that and and show so plainly these stunts so i thought that was good and then i also liked some of these dream sequences um like i liked the first one we get where ralphie envisions himself getting an award yeah, for the i did like that one a lot book. actually yeah. like that's a funny line it also shows that he still has the same imagination he did as a kid which is cool and um to fight with mitch i really liked the the dream sequence where he see he's in like an insane asylum and he comes face to face with now his grown daughter and son i thought that really was, you like that i loved that dude i thought it was so weird 
and creepy, but like also funny and clever. I thought that that was, um, again, very similar with the original. The original has this this uh, dream sequence where uh, these robbers come to Ralphie's house and he like is shooting them with his BB gun. And it always kind of creeped me out as a kid, the way the robbers move and like they're in cartoonish clothing. Um, Home alone. And, and, and this felt like this felt like that it was just kind of creepy imagery, but also I couldn't help but laugh because it was so weird. Like the his son now having a British accent and his daughter having like a, just a fucked up, horrific looking eye from when he creamed her. And then she's also pregnant. Like what? I loved it. Why didn't you like it? Yeah, that shot. That, I, that sequence I, is weird. I'm more team Liam. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think so. I thought it was just, to me, it felt really out of place, and it just felt like it was reaching for a gag. Like all the, it's a very extremely on the nose sequence with what it's doing. Just kind of like this, a glimpse into the ghost of Christmas future. Um, but uh, no, I, I didn't really like it. It kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I feel like Christmas is like, uh a hard time of the year for a lot of people. I feel like, especially for like incarcerated people, I feel like a lot of this movie is just kind of, I don't know, just, I don't think they thought about it that far. And maybe that's a point to your criticism that you're correct, but I, I certainly don't think they were thinking about no, that. No, I, I, I don't think this is a movie that's really concerned with anything like that. It's just sort of like a, your, your old fashioned Christmas movie, which is like, which is fine. But, um, no, that, that joke just like, didn't hit with me that sequence like and those sort of like other reasons that i'm talking about it that's all like one thing but also it just feels uh very constructed in a way that makes it seem as though it's trying too hard fair enough yeah maybe i liked that one because it 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 was a bit extra over the top and it was out of place um because i wasn't all that into what i felt was typical humor in in the rest of it and so stuff like the daughter getting creamed by the snowball and uh seeing her fucked up eye um which also calls back to the snowball joke i just was not expecting it and so it just it feels weird and uh maybe that sequence was uh was ghost directed by david lynch could be i found the uh the voiceover quite grating in this one as well um, dude oh my god yeah, it's, like, it's like the one note he was given was you need to make every line sound like it's the most important emotionally impactful thing a human being has ever said every time like and, and then and it, it's the it's telling instead of showing Christ, it's, it's like, bad oh storytelling yeah he was really like cranking that dial up to a thousand dude yeah, and I I get that they had to do it because it's such a feature of the original one. But but does I, he have to do it like that? <laughs> yeah, I thought it went. Uh, I thought it was used far too much. Um, I I went back and watched some scenes from the original before we recorded just to to remind myself of how they did it, and they let the scenes breathe um, a lot of the times. And and there's the. You know, there, there's it's not like voiceover is only to start a scene like he does chime in. But um, I, I felt like this. He was chiming in far too often, um, even in scenes where like he he wasn't in them. And so I guess the way you'd explain that is that um, uh, those characters like his daughter would have told like him the... about meeting Santa. 
Um, and maybe that's a, that happens in the original as well. I'm sure he voices over stuff he's not there for. But but I thought it was just uh, I, I just kind of wanted a, a a bit of a break so I could just hang out in the scene for a little bit. Um, whereas like this felt more like um, like a Disney Channel thing where like you you just got to crank the voiceover up in order to like explain the the mood um or like explain what ralphie is feeling uh like when I'm he's ralphie talking about Christmas baiting story, his daughter it's just and too you're much. watching disney channel yeah and then he draws the draws the thing what's his last name what's his family's name <laughs> ralphie uh parker parker ralph Sifaretto. parker where's pictures give me pictures of spider-man yeah, so this this wasn't exactly it for me, but that that first one is tough to live up to, man. It's such a unique movie, such a classic. So it's true. That's fair. Mitch man, like, in the sorry, the one scene with voiceover that, that genuinely made me mad was the scene in the bar when like the phone rings and everyone's like quiet. They're like, oh, "It's our wives waiting for oh, us to call for our, us to come home." We hate our wives so much. The old ball and chain. Am I right, gamers? Yeah, and they just they they belabor that scene in the, in the dialogue, um, in the narration especially, uh, super annoying. Um, so you've had about ninety minutes, Mitch. Was that enough to remember the thing you wanted to pick? Um, it wasn't what I originally wanted to do, but I feel like it fits. Okay. The bishop's okay. wife too. If this is Evil Under the Sun, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> no, Evil Under the Sun wouldn't qualify. I was thinking, but I'm thinking along also, the lines of... Also, why did you send that? <laughs> well, because I wanted to watch a whodunit, because every year, like, over the Christmas holiday, I always watch a whodunit, and I was like, oh, well, we could do Glass Onion, because that's new, and then I was like, ah, you know, I oh, think I'd not, rather just, like, enjoy wintry. that one. We would veto it. Race to pod to see it next week, like, I'd rather enjoy it with my family or whatever. Yeah. Because um, it's new, I would support that. Yeah. Well, we're not do- well, hold on. If we're not doing it for Avatar, then we're not doing it for that. No, we're not doing it for the Glass Onion. That's my point. Um, yeah, I want to do... Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I want to do After the Thin Man. Is that a wintry movie? Uh, it's set during New Year's Eve, and it's like a murder mystery uh, like that was made in 1936. And it's like a, a remake or something? Yeah, it's a sequel to the original... Thin Man movie. The the, the oh, Thin Man series was like huge. Fan. Okay. Um, Ironic that it was huge considering how thin the man is. Considering how thin he was. No, like the sequel names are hilarious. So like the first one is from 1934. It's based off of like a novel by Dashiell Hammett. And the second one is After the Thin Man from 1936. Then there's Another Thin Man in 1939. <laughs> Shadow of the Thin Man. The Thin Man Goes Home and The Song of the Thin Man. The Night He Came Home. The night the thin man came home. Isn't Dashiell Hammett the cat people guy? Uh, no. No, Dashiell Hammett's uh, the Maltese Falcon. Mm. Who am I? I'll, fi- I'll have to find out who I'm thinking of when we finish this podcast and I turn around and I look at the poster on my wall. I gotta um, say, Mitch, I'm constantly impressed by your ability to... Um, pick movies that that you want to see that that are cater to your tastes uh your rather like niche tastes of like old movies you want to see a murder mystery um and make it fit in with the theme like that's impressive this it's is a from a franchise that i haven't heard of but it sounds like it's a perfect fit mm-hmm. 
Yeah, cool. I hope so. I hope so. Like, I hope it's aged well. It has a fairly good letterbox review. I saw it years ago. Um, like, I saw it like three years ago, maybe, but I don't remember that much about it. Um, Except for how thin the man is. No, but I've, I've seen the original Thin Man movie, like, probably like five or six times. I love that movie. It's a murder mystery, but you'd think they would just look for the skinniest man. Yeah. No, no. The Thin Man's the one, the one solving the crimes. It's about, like, this um, New York couple. A famous private eye and his socialite wife and their dog and they stay like buoyantly gracefully drunk the whole film and solve crimes interesting yeah well we'll find out more about what happened after the thin man right before the beginning of 2023 mitch do you have anything you want to we already kind of just did a silence bit do you have anything you want to plug ah ah i'm one <laughs> of the good guys now i'm not a Why did that hurt him? Why did saying he was one of the good guys hurt him in this scenario? He wants to be one of the here? good guys. Yeah, I guess so. We can't all be one of the good guys. That's life. I'm human. I'm one of the good humans. Humans. I'm human. <laughs> okay, that's enough of that. Uh, it sure is. <laughs> what are you not a fan of that particular bit <laughs> no it's a bit much for me <laughs> why is Newman. that a bit much just because you've literally done it a bit too much <laughs> it's a bit that has happened too much Corey um, does love that bit on and i do it i do it at work constantly <laughs> i sent him a, a picture of cumin today while i was cooking and i just said i'm cumin <laughs> <laughs> No, you said a fucking video where you say I'm human. Yeah. And it's so funny. <laughs> I'm human. I'm human. Okay, how about this? I promise that I'm gonna the joke stops here. If we're over it, we're over it. But what a joke. Uh Liam, do you have anything you'd like to plug? I got a film writing alter ego. Uh on Twitter and Letterbox. You can find me under the name Graham the Malo. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price, and you can listen to the other podcasts that I make. If you want to find all of them, you can go to MortalCombatConquest.ca. They're all listed there. There's MK Podquest, which I do with our friend Neil, and there's Strat2, a infrequently updated podcast I do with Calm uh, about Formula One. And those are all on that website and socials and whatnot. You can find them. You'll, you'll find them. You can go find them. Thank you all once again for listening to this episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor and Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher and Breaker, and everything else as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and if you think the human bit is funny. <laughs> Our fantastic thumbnail art and its seasonal remix are done by Jade Dickinson, who you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And if you'd like to hear more from Jade, tune into our episode from last week about Silent Night, Bloody Night 2, Revival. It's interesting. And with all that out of the way, we'll catch you here next week for... for uh, <laughs> and with all that out of the way, we'll catch you here next week for What Happens After the Thin Man. And they made another one.